millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Charlie Baker. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily. Uh, it was lovely. It was me and Andy today. It and, was. Uh, we had a bit of a chat, didn't we, Andy? We did. All sorts yeah, of stuff did. came up. Yeah. You went in on Chelsea. A you little know? bit, yeah. yeah okay. A little bit. I thought I was very reasonable, really. Very reasonable. Uh, yeah. We spoke, we chatted chess. We did. A delicate An chess conversation. story, yeah. Yeah. Which you may well have read about, but uh, yeah. some good insight from uh, Leon Watson there. Yeah, Leon Watson joined us. Martin Kellner, squad number nine, looked at a sport on TV. The Figo documentary was mm. particularly interested. We'll hear about that. And, uh, and and Jonathan Overend joined us to chat. Roger Federer and tried to turn Andy onto tennis. <laughs> uh, let's find out if he did. Here it all is. <laughs> I did write it in about two seconds, about <laughs> well, five minutes ago. Fault. So you know, it would help if are. I read it first. There we are. <laughs> uh, a lot of people tune into this show, Andy, mainly for your reaction to Chelsea results. Yes. Um, um, how do you feel about Graham Potter's first game in charge? Well, I'm tempted to say meet the new boss, same as the old boss. But <laughs> I think there were some good signs. Um, Mount, I thought, put in a lot better shift than he'd been putting in. But he's he's soon going to. It's a big job. This. For him, there's yeah. no question. He's got to do. I think it's a bit like Arteta when he came in. He's got to sort this squad out because for me, this is the worst Chelsea squad for 20 years. There's no really question. 20 years. Yeah, where's the Czechs, the Drogba's, the Terry's, the Lampards? You know these sort. Okay, of players. Yeah. There's not that sort of spine of the team, and you know you've got players like Havertz. How many managers will Kai Havertz cost their job in his career? Because he's <laughs> one of those players that you look at him and think, "What a fantastic player this bloke is." Yeah. You pick him and he's hopeless. I mean. That the other night was absolutely typical Havertz. He starts off with a couple of nice touches. Then one goes wrong, confidence completely drops, and then yeah. for the rest of the game he's either hiding or not doing anything, and, you think, and then he gets taken off. Well, someone like Graham Potter, they always say, is a great man manager. You know, maybe yeah. he's the he's the manager to, to get the best out of him and it stay the best by giving him that confidence. And I've written down here, Aubameyang now knows how Lukaku feels <laughs> playing for a team that doesn't create any chances. But it's not actually true. I mean, that, but that game the other night, there were some good signs, there were. And uh, and you've got to give the guy, it's going to take him time. But yeah. I've seen that game about 15 times in the last 18 months, say, 12 to 18 months, where at the bridge, where Chelsea drop a lot of points. And, yeah. they, and it's always the same game. It's, it's get the lead, then sit back, then the other team... Uh, can, you can see the other team score, and then you create five or six fantastic chances, which you don't take, yeah. and it finishes 1-1. The number of 1-1s they've been. And it was just the same. And so, you know, you, you think to yourself, really, he's going to discover quite quickly which of the squad he can trust. I was a bit... Some of the... The selection was a bit odd, I thought. I did think 
couldn't really see. I mean, if you play Silva and uh, Thiago, uh, Thiago Silva rather than Aspilicueta together yeah. in a Premier League game, you will lose that match, in my view. So, you know, there we go. But it was... Uh, uh, and was that reaction shared by all... You were there, weren't you? You were there. On, no, no, I couldn't uh, make it. I'm, oh, going right. to, I'm going to the uh, Milan game. I, I couldn't work out the website and I... Oh, right. to get tickets, which oh, is right. annoying. But I've got them for the next two Champions League games. But they've got it all to do in that competition. And, you know, if you you consider that's going to be difficult to qualify, but they can still do it, but they c- could fail to qualify. They could be uh, out of the Carabao Cup if they don't beat Man City away, yeah. which is, you know, quite, well. a, quite a difficult game. Yeah. Um, but they are beat, they are drawable. Holland, they could beat them Holland, on pens. Oh yeah, Holland. <laughs> if he has a night off, you never know. <laughs> they and, might not uh, play him in the Carabao. And in the league, the top four. Well, that's looking a bit tricky. So they won't play Holland. They won't play Holland in the Carabao. Surely. I don't think they will. I don't. But you know, against Chelsea, they might. Uh, it was interesting last night. I watched a bit of the West Ham game. I feel a bit for West Ham in this Conference League because it's probably strong enough to win it. But the, what, all you get is you get back in the Europa League. Yeah. But it's I a trophy, enjoy, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it is. I did enjoy uh, Carlton Cole, though, uh, calling Craig Dawson. I never realised this was his nickname. Obviously, they called him this in the dressing, uh, dressing gown, dressing room. Uh, Ballon Dawson. <laughs> oh, nice. That's clever, isn't it? That's yeah. very good. That's a nice one. That's a nice one. And uh, I was pleased for Ivan Tony. I was very pleased to see him in the team. Yeah. I was advocating it. And uh, they, was, they were highlighting his penalty record today. And it's 18 out of 18, which is fantastic. But you know what's going to happen. <laughs> you absolutely know. You'll get to the World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It'll be a massive penalty. Well, I don't know that oh, because he does seem to me. He does seem to me to be a, a very confident oh, very player confident. Very who doesn't seem scared by any level. No, you know, I don't think so. But you know, taking a penalty for England in the World Cup isn't quite the same as taking a penalty for Brentford at any point. But you yeah. know, we'll see what happens. Because you see him regularly, don't you? Because you, yeah, you, yeah. you have a Brentford season. Yeah, I'm going on Sunday to the uh, Arsenal game. That should be good. And is he is he a different level to everyone else in in the team when he when he? No, plays? he's not a different level to everyone. You know, but he's. He's definitely good enough to play for England. He's good enough to yeah. be in the squad. It's a good decision. Last night during the commentary, uh, Rob Hawthorne, the commentator, mentioned the Danish team Aarhus. Whenever I hear that name, I can't help going, Aarhus is a very, very fine hoos. <laughs> yes, you have yeah. to, don't you? Or in the middle of our street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, There's that, that one as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. so that's uh, that's about it. Oh, really. great. Mm. And, and um, with, with, with Chelsea, do, what do you think... Potter brings different. What, how do you expect him to change the team? Uh, slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult, you know. I mean, personally, I, I felt that it was a very strange transfer window because they spent 280 million, but they were worse after the window <laughs> closed than they were before. Yeah. And that's never a good thing. And, you know, players like, you know, whatever you thought of Werner, and I was critical of his finishing, but he stretched teams and he, and he created stuff. So Werner and Hudson Adoy went out. And they kept Pulisic and Ziyech. I, I would have done exactly the opposite of that. Pulisic is, really? is a legend in his dad's mind and his mind and yeah. does, hasn't done anything for about two years. And Ziyech... You'd have shipped him out. You know, I don't blame the fans. I mean, they, they were critical, the commentary team, about giving him a hard time. And, of course, it never helps if you get on a player's back. It doesn't. They're never going to no. play well if you do that. But you can understand why the fans did because they consider he was one of those that cost Tuchel his job. Yeah. You know, and uh, and if Graham Potter keeps picking him, it'll be the same thing. Because I just, there's a good player there, but not for, again, not for a couple of seasons. So Ninth you were, you were hoping for, weren't you? You were saying before the before the show, you were thinking about, about ninth, mid-table? <laughs> well, we'll see. It's a long way to go yet. <laughs> long time to go. There, there, there's been a kind of levelling up in the Premier League, mm. you know, that is, um, 
amazing. I mean, you looked at West Ham last night, their bench. They were able to bring off the bench Bowen, uh, Suchek, and yeah. who was the other one? Ben Rama. You know, they could never have done that before. No. And when you've got teams, you know, the first 10, 12 teams in the Premier League are all, apart from City, you know, they're all can beat each other they've yeah. all got great well I think squads. that's what Liverpool have found I don't yeah. think they've strengthened enough and I think they've been caught yeah. out this season yeah, so it's, far it's, yeah. it's, it, it looks mental there but they played that was a good point for them The a uh, good win for them the other night which they needed of course so lovely um, I was reading a thing last night Andy I mean I'm 5'8 mm. how tall are you Andy? I am five foot six. Five foot six. On a good day. Happy in your five foot six? You I'm seem extreme. like a happy person. Well, you know, look. Uh, Do you think it's ever affected your life negatively? There's a great rap song by Skilo called I Wish It Was A Little oh, Bit yeah, Taller. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I want that played at my funeral, to <laughs> oh, be really honest. And so, yeah, any short person would like a few extra inches, but yeah. uh, there is a limit to what you'd go through for it. And mm. in the end, you have to accept what you are. I think tall people have um, height in place of a personality a lot of the time. I think that's, that's what I want to say. <laughs> Do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what happens a lot of the time. They they wear their height like they've achieved something <laughs> when they're actually only just, just only being shorter born. people Genetics. But I was reading sure. an interview, uh, uh, interview mm. with a guy last night who's been and had his legs lengthened. Yeah. This is, sounds, now, this is now, I, a, this is now this. a process this is you can have. Surgically, you're talking. Surgically mm. lengthened. Would you consider that? No, absolutely not. Not for you? No, absolutely not. All the risks involved, you definitely wouldn't do that. I'm, no. I'm happy with the way I am. No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, maybe if I was playing at the back. If I was a defender, I'm, yeah, just, I'm just a very good midfielder yeah, that help instead. You. That wouldn't help your footballing ability, would it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a year out having your legs lengthened. No, I don't I, think imagine so. what it's like when you turn back, turn up, and, you t- and you're suddenly six foot two. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, be good, but you've been five foot. Not going to happen, is it? Really? You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Do you have anybody on Twitter who pretends to be you? Do you have a fake Charlie Baker? I, 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 well, the actual Charlie Baker is the governor of Massachusetts on Twitter. He doesn't pretend to be me. I don't think he knows he, I exist at all. But he be- often gets... He often gets um, Tagged in on non-league banter. <laughs> you would do, yeah. <laughs> the bloke's just tweeted us, and he's not happy that I was talking about Chelsea. Fine, as oh, right. a okay. United fan, but sure. fair enough. But he he's quoted my this Twitter handle. It's not me. I'm oh, not right, on Twitter. So if if you do follow uh, at Andy Jacobs, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 19, it isn't me. You can follow him if you like, but it isn't me. Maybe we should get him on and see what yeah. he thinks about Chelsea. Now, I don't know if you've seen this new England kit is out. and It, uh, it doesn't look real, Andy, in my in my view. It looks like a sort of... Oh, yeah, mar- because it's like, been leaked. It uh, looks yeah, like a market a, knockoff. Yeah, it's not the official... Of, uh, it's a leaked version. We don't okay. know whether often these things are quite accurate, though, when they do leak it. But it's always the same. It doesn't matter what the kit is. It's always the same reaction. People don't like it and people think it's too expensive. Yeah, That's it. <laughs> yeah. Unless they brought out an absolutely pure white one that, yeah. we, that looked like so why don't they do was that? wearing it. And one from 1966, people will go, well, we don't want with But why this. don't they do that, bring out a pure white one? Well, why don't they? I mean, why don't they stick with tradition? It's a very, very good point. Why do we have blue on the kit, Andy? Do you know? Well, is, no there, is there a reason we have blue on the no kit? No idea. No, I don't know. I don't know why it is. I don't yeah. know, because it's, it's not in the England flag, is it blue? No. So oh, maybe okay. if anybody knows, they can let us know. You know, there we are. Uh, I don't. I don't, I don't like it. From what I've seen so far, I don't, I don't like it. That's it. Boom, hammer comes down. Uh, talking of colour, I don't know if you saw the pictures of Harry Styles wearing the other day. Wearing I, a lo- sort of... I love what he wears. Oh, he's, he's you're, a, a, you're a fashion he, man, Andy. Yes, you know all about fashion. Emerald green is marvellous, isn't it? Yes. And, uh, but uh, uh, Lindsay Grice of Manchester wrote to The Sun. She's not happy about it. She oh. said, I don't know what kind of statement Harry Styles is trying to make, but his recent fashion choices, such as green blazer with a leafy corsage and matching handbag screen, attention seeking to me uh, of course writing a letter to a national newspaper that isn't that isn't attention seeking of course well done but it's high fashion isn't it and you always see high fashion on on the catwalks and you go oh well I'm never gonna look at these idiots never gonna end up wearing mm. that and then of course in about a year's two years time we'll end up wearing a version of that I can't that, see me wearing an emerald no, can, green jacket, but you never know. I can see you in it. I can see you in it. Why not? He had his collar out, didn't he? Uh, well, you know, yeah. uh, when he had that, when he was yeah, talking we were about talking that about film. That last week, the very, but very he only long... had one collar out. Was that on purpose? Very possibly. Just one collar out <laughs> becomes. Matter. If you're fashionable, you can do what you like, and people go, "Oh, it's meant to be like." It's that. meant to be like fashion, isn't yes, it? Yes. No, yeah. we talked about that last week because oh. I had a similar shirt. And, uh, oh yes, and then you met someone yeah. who you thought, and it was actually David Frost. It was, and John yeah. did brilliantly finding the, the picture. The picture, I remember fantastic. that. Yes, Emma Raducanu in action again uh, yesterday. Yes, and, uh, I know it's surprising. It was a second round defeat, and uh, she got a thigh injury. But no, 
I think very cruel about Emma Rado Carney. She's won the US Open. We have to give her. A, yes. We have to give her that. I don't think you luckily do that. Do no, you? you don't. So I mean, so I wonder what's going wrong. Why did she? She dropped the coach that she I won no the. Idea. She won the US Open with, and then has, mm. has since never sort of done anything since. Uh, I don't really it's understand. You do need a, a coach, don't you? Really, for, you do for these things. You do indeed. Uh, you're going to be on House of Games next week. Which I am House of Games show. next week. Yeah. We've already recorded it. It's already recorded a long time ago. Actually, we won't but expect you to get any spoilers. No spoilers, it but it, w it will be on uh, daily. It will be on daily uh, next week, Monday to, to Friday. So do it's me, Val McDermott, Martin Afire. Mm. And uh, and the the singer uh, Rebecca Lucy uh, Taylor, who's uh, better known mm. as Self Esteem. Right. I don't know if you've seen her this summer. She's been around on all the things. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> Self Esteem, she's big big music artist, very yeah, very good. Martin Afire was a nice chap. Oh yes, he used, he used to live in Chiswick. I used to see him around a lot. In he the, said, brilliant player. He did at one point say, "There's been no rugby league questions." I said, "Well, to be honest." Martin, if there were any rugby league questions, the answer would probably be Martin a fire. That's very true. <laughs> when you, when you do a, a, a thing like that, we, is it good for business? I mean, does it help the sort We'll of... find out. Oh, I see. We'll, okay. we'll find out, won't we, Andy? We'll, we'll <laughs> see. Right. People come and see 24-hour pasty people, Mike Tor. And, of course, you're on with Max tomorrow. Yes, and, tomorrow uh, morning. Um, and Omid Jalili uh, put a photo up today. He's in Melbourne. And he had uh, a coffee with Max and yeah. paid him a tremendous compliment, to which Max then said, I had to pay for that compliment. He had yeah, to pay yeah. for the coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah there we are. I mean, it has travelled halfway across the world to see you. You've got grandchildren, haven't you, Andy? Have. Did you ever watch the programme Bluey? That's an Australian programme. I haven't seen it. I know. So it's what, a, is it about a kangaroo? No, it's uh, about yeah. uh, Australian dogs, an oh, right. Australian dog family. And it's uh, it <laughs> it based sounds, on real life. Me, I don't know if it's no, it's a cartoon. <laughs> and yeah. Bluey, Bluey is the daughter, and yeah. uh, her, her dad is sort of he's a bit annoying because he's like super dad, like he's always got time to play with them, he's never hung over, he's always sort mm. of like super into the game, like commits fully to it, never checking his phone. You know, I'm not saying this is my parenting technique, <laughs> but you know, the he's perfect, never like <laughs> the perfect dad, they don't exist, absolutely days, perfect dad. Anyway, there's an, there's an episode where they they go mm. to a kids' party. Right. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to take your grandchildren. To, I'm sure you took your kids to uh, kids' yeah, parties. And, sure. and Pass the Parcel comes up. Mm. And I think it's an excellent episode. Because mm. in the Pass the Parcel in, in Bluey, uh, they, there's, no, there's not a prize every, every time. Oh, right. Because okay. these days when you do pass the parcel, oh, is it sort you of like unwrap no, it no one and there's, a bag, out, there's a bag of There's sweets. no losers. There's no losers. In modern life, there's <laughs> no, no losers. And that's the point it's making. But then, as it as it goes on, the yeah. kids start to enjoy... Each party then has the rules mm. that there's no... And, and they start to get it and they start to enjoy winning more. It is interesting. Do you think it's a mainly I... a big a big problem with kids these days, Andy? I don't think we're talk radio. Are we? I'm not sure. <laughs> I wouldn't know. But I do remember when we played Pass the Parcel. It yeah. was just the one prize. Yes, it, it was quite exciting if you won it, and you didn't really want an extra prize every layer. But you know, I think it's, it's a better way to play Pass yeah. the Parcel. I'm interested in people's. Um, I'm interested in people. If anyone wants to tell us, eight ten eighty nine, there's kids party disasters. Mm. We could take some of those. I think we can take some of those this afternoon. Eight ten eighty nine. Let us know your kids party disasters because we tried it at my daughter's sixth birthday party mm. and we did get a lot of tears and have to start handing out oh, bags yeah, of sweets because yeah. well, they're, 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 they're not used to it. Andy, they're not used to not used to losing. Very interesting. Yesterday I was. Uh, function and uh, I spoke to a guy who's a talk sport listener, a very nice man and uh, his son-in-law plays on the uh, PGA Tour in oh, America right, yeah. very interesting, That's high level 
And we were talking about uh, Liv and the PGA Tour, and he and it was interesting to see Greg Norman ripping into the PGA Tour, according to some say, saying, Liv have abandoned any hopes of a peace deal. And I'm not surprised, because judging by what this chap had said to me, the, the feeling in the locker room, yeah. It's really bad, you know. There, there is a real well, on the on the two sides. Well, I think the fact that basically these guys have gone off—that's one thing to go off and earn that money. Fine, that's your decision. Mm -hmm. But then to think they can come back—it's feeling like double dipping to yeah. these players. And I, you can totally understand that. And I'm not impressed with Greg Norman at all, really. But there you go. But they seem to have so much money that, that it will just become the norm, and then they'll have to give. Well, it might. It might. That's do. I, I mean, think he, work. he thinks that they—they're—they're. We well, should know that there are four companies who want to broadcast this tour because at the moment it's only available for free on YouTube because I don't think the, the established golf networks were particularly interested. But we'll, no. we'll see what happens. Personally, for me, I'm not interested. But there you go. Maybe uh, like the Pass the Parcel, they should just have a prize on every hole on the golf. That'd <laughs> be nice, wouldn't yeah, it? They probably will. They probably do. <laughs> probably do. It. Just that if you get your ball in, <laughs> in the lee shots, the bottom of the hole is a big gold bar. <laughs> <laughs> they pull out the gold bar. It'd be lovely on the live tour, wouldn't it? There we are. Why not? Very, very nice. Uh, the England colours are blue and white because the team represents the English FA, whose colours are blue and white. There we are. That's right. Philip on the Scottish Borders. Them. Thank you very much for telling us that. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Charlie Baker and Andy Jacobs with you through until four o'clock. Um, I was telling you earlier about the episode of Bluey. Uh, yes, Andy. Where they they have to pass the parcel when they have a prize, and I was asking for children's party disasters. Um, we've had one here. My daughter's sixth birthday coincided with me reshingling the roof of an outbuilding. I spent the morning putting all the rubbish from the roof into black sacks, and then went to the. You can see where this is going. Then went to daughter's party where all the presents were in black sacks. Oh. The next day, <laughs> I asked my wife if, I, if our daughter had opened her presents yet. We realised with horror, just as we saw the back of the dust van disappearing up the road, that I'd put all the gifts out with the rubbish. I had to phone all the parents, find out what they bought, replace and wrap the gifts for the door. God, he's nice. did a nice job. Yeah. Daughter to open, and uh, she still doesn't know to this day what happened. Let's hope she's not a talk sport listener. <laughs> she, well, well, but if she is, you're very... Let's hope no one's listening. Marvellous. <laughs> Speaking of no one listening, no. Uh, uh, joining us next is Martin Kellner, squad number nine. Good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon, Charlie. Good afternoon, Andy. You Hi, both Martin. all right? Yeah, yes, very well. Martin. Thank yeah. you, good, very good. well. You're back with extra time, 1am till 6am. Indeed. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've got some uh, sport on TV for you. I mean, uh, the the first thing that I watched was a thing called the Figo Affair. Oh, yeah. The transfer that changed football. Well, it didn't. It didn't change football <laughs> at all. It changed Real Madrid for a while, but it certainly didn't change football. And it's really not like the streaming services to uh, overhype the stuff they have. <laughs> Um, but there you are. It's a, it's a fairly disreputable story. I don't know how much no, uh, the two of you remember it. of this back in 2000. I remember the pig's head. Was that featuring? Oh, was goodness. Goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's not like going from uh, from Spurs to Arsenal. You know, I mean, th there's a whole political context to this, um, you know, which we don't see over here. But the, um, I mean... It starts with uh, Luis Figo himself telling the story, or as somebody says, he's speaking his truth. This is a new concept. You speak your mm. truth, which is not necessarily the truth. Which <laughs> well, is that, a sort but that's of... always the way, isn't it? There's, there's, there's your truth, their truth, and the truth. You know, that's that whole yes. saying, isn't it, really? Precisely. It's precisely. when people speak their truth in an open letter. I don't know what other sort of letter that you, you have other than an open letter. 
That's a good point. Anyway, he sits there speaking. It's speaking his truth. Obviously, yeah. they do the clapperboard thing first. But really, yeah. it's uh, at the end of the. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting story. It's a great story because it, it sort of um, indicates how uh, de- devoted fans can become to one play, and especially with this, you know, the sort of toxic split, if you like, between Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid for historical purposes and everything. And uh, Figo was was an absolute hero. It was Figo mania maybe the uh, transfer wouldn't have been quite as um you know quite as toxic if he hadn't been so disparaging of real madrid when he was actually playing for barcelona um there's a great scene where he's on a balcony there and he's had his hair um dyed in barcelona colors mm. uh, and it's after barca won the championship uh, la liga and he's saying uh, bow down before us cry babies of real madrid um and then of course he um he gets transferred but the whole there's a lot of finagling in this and i think what makes it completely different from a transfer that we might see over here is the roles of the presidents you know this is something we're not familiar yeah. with but you know the presidential battles to become president of real madrid or president of barcelona mm. um and these guys you know who become the presidents they they're at a sort of level of egotism which we you know even i don't know <laughs> name anybody todd bowley whatever they're not we're not at that level over here or or even in america i mean once you give someone the title of El Presidente, mm. they're going to behave like, you know, El Presidente. And um, the, well, the, either the hero or the villain of this piece is Florentino Perez, who basically, in a presidential election for, um, you know, for the boss of uh, Real Madrid, uh, promised them that he would bring uh, Luis Figo, um, which he did. Um, and he managed to do it. Uh, it Luis Figo, to some extent, was, uh, was a little bit sort of easily swayed and quite weak about this because um you know you, you, he did want to stay at barcelona sort of deep down now obviously money was a key issue sure. you know as a lot of footballers uh, say he didn't feel valued mm. he didn't feel valued at barcelona which i think is basically a financial issue isn't it really? <laughs> he was a terrific player though yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic player yeah. fantastic player and you recommend and, it do you martin Oh, it's, it's a decent documentary. Yeah, yeah, it's well worth well worth watching. But uh, like I say, the title oversells it. The transfer that changed football. Yeah. I mean, it, it changed Real Madrid because they get Florentino Perez. He promised he'd bring Figo. He'd bring Figo. There's a great scene where the previous president, Lorenzo Sanz, who was more of a sort of father figure. Um, his daughter's getting married, and all this finagling is going on while his uh, while it's the wedding. You know, it's a bit like a scene from The Godfather. While he, while the wedding of his daughter's going on, uh, Florentino Perez and various people, you know, who are campaigning for uh, for him to become president. They're you know they're they're doing this while his while his daughter's getting married. Mm. Um, Paolo Futre is an interesting figure in this because he made a load of money out of this transfer. Um, West Ham legend, not quite, but um, Paolo Fucci, who was part of that uh, wacky Harry Redknapp uh, transfer uh, policy around about 96, where he bought Dumitrescu and Randy Choi and, uh, and Paolo Fucci, who's, um, 
he'd had a lot of injuries. Somebody, somebody did put on a West Ham website that the, uh, the Paolo Futre medical is one of the great mysteries of modern science. <laughs> you know, that his, um, his bones were about as uh, resilient as a bag of quavers, uh, basically. But anyway, he played a couple of games for West Ham. I think he had one really good game. Um, but he got a million and a half uh, euros out of, this, uh, out of this deal simply by talking to Figo because obviously Futre was sort of like a Portuguese legend, as Figo himself was, uh, and um, smoothed over the deal. So there's a lot of... Uh, nobody comes out with any credit from this, really. Um, you know, these sort of presidential figures. Uh, Florentino Perez smokes quite a lot. He also struck me as a bit like... If, if you've ever seen a Pedro Almodovar film, mm -hmm. he'd be the guy that would play the sort of smoothie adulterer. Really, I mean, I'm not saying that he does, but um, that's the sort of part he'd play. But no, you know, as I say, nobody comes out with any great credit. Least of all, Luis Figo, who um, I suppose he deserted Barcelona. But I mean, he still he was still a great performer for Real Madrid as well. It is a bit like Harry Kane signing for Arsenal. It was a bit of a shock. Um, we should move on there because we want to cover some other programmes. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. got this on my planner. I haven't got around to watching it yet, but I've heard it's really good. Football Dreams, the Academy. Oh, is this the, the Crystal Palace, Palace one? one? Is it? Oh, yeah. This is the Crystal Palace Academy. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what's disappointed me about this. It was the... I've been watching this, you know, following the story, really. But in episode six of... Uh, which is the final... It's a six-episode series on Channel 4. And in episode six... It sort of abandons the story. I mean, I suppose they don't want to see people being disappointed. Mm -hmm. There may be an issue with, you know, with parents and family and that sort of thing. But, you know, you know that it's very, very hard uh, to make it. Um, and in episode five, which I really enjoyed, there were three centre-backs, uh, Leon, Pete and Kamal. And uh, they were fighting for two places, really, in the team. I don't know how many, probably only one scholarship you were talking about, but, you know, they were they were competing. And there, there was one of these kids that had a, a real growth spurt, and obviously that had affected uh, his play, you know, because he was a centre-back, and now I suppose his centre of gravity had moved, etc., etc. Um, and you got to know the parents and all that. But when we got to episode six... Uh, it was more of a PR exercise for the Crystal Palace Academy. You know, it was, for instance, they showed a scene of Gareth Southgate, who was uh, a youngster at Crystal Palace. Obviously, it wasn't the academy. Well, it wasn't the academy then, as it is now. But it seemed to be a very glossy one, just showing you, and, and it showed you uh, Teo, who was a, a lad with um, Nigerian parents, and he'd uh, he'd done very well, and he'd been, uh, he played a game, I think in the FA Cup and everything, and had got this pro contract. But it did seem a little bit dishonest to me to show all these, uh, all the competitiveness and the ruthlessness and the hard mm. graft that it takes to be a football player and all the character elements of it. Very, very important, you know. And you do get that impression from uh, hearing the coaches that, uh, you know, the character element is as important as anything else. You know, you have to. Put up with the disappointment of maybe being dropped down to a lower age bracket, and there's all that sort of stuff uh, in episode five. But in episode six, this was all um, it was all brushed over, really, and it was very much a, a PR exercise, I think, for the Crystal Palace Academy. What I didn't know was that uh, a lot of players go to two, three, or four academies before they're taken. So you know, 
the disappointment when you're dropped from an academy may not be the last disappointment that you face uh -huh. because um, uh, Eze was on, was on the show and he was saying, you know, he was at three different academies and he sort of stressed, stressed what a long road it was and uh, what hard, hard graft it was. Uh, and then behind it all, you've got to remember they're still kids. Yeah. You know, they're It's sort kids. of panning for gold, isn't it? It always feels like that oh, to me. Like they're very just much so. Sort of just try and find mm. one. All they need is one, you know, yeah, and then it, pay, it pays for the rest of them. It's, it's, it's I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a ruthless business. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, I think that the, I mean, the, the thing you did find out from it was that, uh, you know, a lot of, um, as far as the pastoral side of it, a lot of care is now put into that at the Crystal Palace Academy. But as I say, it was a bit of a PR access. But I assume the same applies to other academies as well. And the blow is softened as much as it can be. But you, you, you hear from one or two of these kids saying, you know, I've got no plan B. You know, these kids said, yeah. I've got no plan B. Mostly from, you know, fairly poor upbringings uh, and uh, bless them, some of these kids, you know, they just wanted to move their parents out or their mother in most cases out of uh, the area they were in, you know, yeah. which w was a poor area with drug dealing, etc, etc. Um, so it was a great human drama for the first five episodes. Episode six, maybe inevitably, because they didn't want to show you the disappointment for kids. But episode six sort of tailed off and became more of a more of a PR exercise. I thought. A sure. quick, uh, quick one on uh, bad sport on Netflix. Juventus. Yeah. This is yes. If you've not had enough of sort of corruption and double dealing in the uh, in the mm. Luis Figo one. You'll know the case, uh, 2006 mm. in, uh, in Rome, where the, um, here's another character from a Pedro Almodovar film, the uh, guy who was in charge, uh, Luciano Moggi, he was called Moggi, mm. he was the director of football at uh, Juventus and um, influenced referees. I mean, in a, in a big way. He, you know, he, he phoned up and made sure that um, there was one match which Juventus were facing the team the next week and uh, two guys were, if they got another booking, they were banned. And both players, mysteriously, were booked in this match after a phone call from um, this guy who eventually went to prison, actually, Luciano uh, Moggi. Mm. But, um, yeah, if you like, I mean, there's so much true crime crime on um you know on the streaming services if you like your true crime crossed with a bit of italian football um you'll enjoy this okay. uh, the bad sports is pretty good there are quite a few of these um but this one about um uh, about juventus is is a cracker the and there's uh, if you can't follow all the ins and outs gab marcotti's on it and uh, okay. explains a lot of it and he's very good Brilliant. at that always so. good isn't he mm, okay martin, martin you. you're Lovely. very you're well very done. good thank you very Bless much you. for joining back us tonight you're back back tonight are you with uh, extra time one till six one till six, yes. There we are, lovely yes. stuff. Thanks for joining us, Martin. Martin Kellner there. Squad number nine there with all the sport on TV from the last week. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Charlie Baker and Andy Jacobs. Now, intrigue has rocked the world of chess. Uh, it's been rocked by the biggest scandal in years, mm. and it involves artificial intelligence and, let's just say, a method of communication, Andy, and that's as far as we'll go with that. Is it proven, though? I think the no. whole thing is up in the air. Basically, the world champion... Um, Magnus Carlsen. Magnus Carlsen. 
was defeated by an opponent and uh, he didn't accept it and a lot of people thought it was fair enough but a lot of people are saying well there was some skullduggery and let's go with skullduggery uh leon watson chess journalist joins us now uh good afternoon leon hey guys how's it going uh very well thank you is is this the first time you've experienced this 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 type of ch- chat in chess uh yes i mean i've covered the game for many years but uh, this is the first time i've dealt with this specific allegation yes it, it, um i mean we've, we've we've had some odd ones in the past we've had mm. poison yogurts and we've had uh reflective uh, we've had radar beams zapped into players allegedly um but uh, this this particular one um i've not heard before no. yeah we're not we're not going to talk about what the particular one is people can can google it if they but do be careful when you google it um uh, magnus carlson i mean how much of a shock is it that he did lose well, he lost this game. He was he. Uh, it was in the uh, Sinkfield Cup, which is a, a fairly big tournament, um, worth about half a million dollars. Um, and um, he he lost this a sort of upstart American guy called uh, Hans Neiman, who's a very talented junior. He's I think he's nineteen at the moment, and um, he inflicted this this defeat on Carson, which was a bit, which was a, bit of a shock. And uh, Carson didn't take it very well, as he doesn't take defeats very well generally, um, which is which is no surprise. He's a top sportsman, but. Um, uh, but the the next day he turned up for the next round for, for round following, and uh, uh, it was announced that he he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna wasn't gonna play. And then he posted this uh, he posted a, a, on Twitter a, a tweet saying uh, using a, a a clip of uh, uh, Jose Mourinho, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, uh, and then and then that set that set everything ablaze. Set, set, set everyone else uh, wondering why and. Uh, it, it was it was sort of almost universally assumed that he meant um, he meant Lehman had cheated essentially, yeah. and uh, uh, but then the, the the question arose how 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 could Lehman have possibly have cheated and uh, uh, what transpired was a, a number of theories uh, various ideas um, uh, ranging from the slightly plausible to the completely implausible and um, and one of them in particular has hit the headlines and gone all the way around the world and given chess this wonderful austere game that I love um, uh, some uh, uh, headlines um, which, uh, which is brilliant news in a way but um, uh, but the, the, the sort of circumstances of it are a bit strange uh, the, uh, the, it, um, the, the the idea is that is that is that he must have cheated in some way he must have smuggled some kind of electronic device. Mm-hmm. In, um, if the allegations of cheating are true, of course, cheating is a very serious allegation in chess, just like it is in any other sport. In, you know, it's like doping in uh, calling someone a doper in the, the Tour de France. Sure, or something like that. sure. I mean, the, the, the chess world seems to be split over this, though. Uh, Anatoly Karpov, the former world champion, said, I, I watched the game and have to say that Carlson just played extremely badly. I reject all accounts of an unfair win. Whereas Hikaru Nakamura, the world's number one blitz player, said that uh, basically, well, he also felt, well, he felt that uh, Magnus Carlsen would never have tweeted this. He would never have behaved like this if he didn't really believe that something had gone wrong. Yeah, they've all piled in, all the big, big grandmasters. They've all uh, all got a view. And um, I mean, Nakamura is particularly outspoken. He's he's um, accused Hans almost of, uh, of cheating pretty much straight up. And of course, it's, yeah, as I say, it's a serious allegation. But, um, uh, uh, and then and then there have been people defending uh, hands also. I mean, it, it's, it's a big scandal in itself. I mean, they, 
um, Carlson essentially withdrew from this tournament, um, which is akin to uh, Federer or Djokovic just walking out of the U US Open or Wimbledon. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, on round three. And uh, I mean, you know, it's something that hasn't happened for about 50 years. Um, and it's never happened. Carlson's never, never, never done it in his career. And uh, so so in itself, it was a big scandal. And then and then, and then it took on this life of its own. And um, with all these theories about how, how it was possible to cheat over the box silver seeds, you know, they, the, the chess players are under a lot of scrutiny. They, uh, they have to go through metal detectors just to get into the venue. They're not allowed to have any electronic equipment on them just in case messages can be passed to them yeah. what, what the best moves might be, for example. And, um, how, and sorry, how, how in the past have not, not not this specific case, but how in the past have they cheated? How do you cheat at chess? Well, there was this there's this guy called Igor Vrausis who was uh, famously caught a couple of years ago, um, and he had been sneaking off. Um, he'd hid a, a a mobile phone in a toilet um, in the cistern, and he'd. He he snuck off to the toilet and then uh, just got on his phone and, uh, and 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 used his phone to 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 find what the next move he should make because obviously uh, computers now you can use them on your uh, phone and uh, yeah, seems pretty, that seems pretty basic. Up. If you've got to do that, it's not really worth playing, is it? <laughs> it's so interesting with chess though. Since the Queen's Gambit, it's oh, yeah. really given chess a, a sort of new popularity, isn't it? Probably a new audience. It was such a fascinating program for the non-chess player. I don't know what you thought of it, but it certainly awakened my interest in the sport. Yeah, yeah. it was great. It was it was a it was quite a good depiction of of what it's like to be a, a top level elite chess player the, the stresses and the strains and the the the, the sacrifices that you have to make um and uh, yeah I, I i enjoyed it and uh, i think generally it was very wide very well received within the kind of chess community as being quite an accurate depiction because there have been plenty of other ones that haven't been accurate but uh, the queen's gambit was, uh, were, uh, was great and uh, and and I, I suppose if you watch that you can sort of understand you know what what it takes to to get to the very top and uh and you know it, much like cycling you know uh pe people sometimes try and find uh shortcuts mm. i mean Han hans actually admitted to cheating online um in online games which is a different arena mm. yeah um, and uh and, and that kind of that kind of has sort of reopened the debate a bit and that that has sort of blackened his name if you like it's uh it, it's st stained what some people think about him and um, and 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 they they doubt doubt that uh, his defence now because of he admitted to that and uh, um, but but you know my view is he was very open with that and he he uh, he he was happy to talk about it and he 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 said no look I, you know, this, I may have cheated you know when I was fifteen seventeen but that's nothing to do with me cheating against the world champion I mean, mm -hmm. Presumably, I mean, <laughs> you can only get away with this once. I mean, if he isn't a great player, which you, you know, or a really top top player, th this will come out, won't it? Eventually, I mean, you you can't do this in every game in every tournament. You you've got to show that you are pretty decent. Yeah, no, pe people are analysing his games going back years now uh, to try and work out whether he has cheated. But yes, if if the mud sticks, the mud, uh, I mean, he his his career is over if if it is proven but it's very difficult to prove these kind of things you know you don't have you don't have blood tests or urine tests for this kind of stuff you have to go back over um, over the games and analyze them in a way that 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 shows without doubt that uh, that they've had assistance they couldn't possibly have come up with these mm. these moves mm. and um and, and and that's there's always an element of subjectivity there which uh, you know with with a urine test you're either you know you either pass it or you fail it and uh, uh, that that is the problem but but I mean, he he's a very talented teen. He's a very sort of wild kind of 
uh, outspoken um, guy, very colourful character in chess. And uh, he uh, and he has this kind of like wild hair going on, and uh, he, his interviews are very, very uh, bizarre. And um, and and but he's also extremely talented. He's the sort of he, he's a top US player, uh, top US youth. Uh, player and 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 he's always like he's his dream is to become world champion, and he's 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 annoyed a lot of people. He's he 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 just he he shows Carlson. He's one of the few players who shows Carlson just no respect. It's like it's like you know someone rocking up and just um uh, uh just um messing with uh with with Roger Federer. You know. Yeah, you, yeah. Moving yeah, Rafa Nadal's bottles. <laughs> what what of Carlson now? Because that was a run of fifty three games without defeat in the long form of the game. Presumably, there's another tournament or another big event coming up. But yeah, well, they'll they're meet about, or, or they'll show up. He'll show up. I mean, they, they, they're, they're, they're about to play on 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 Monday in in the Julius Bear Generation Cup, which is a another big tournament for a lot of money, and all eyes will be on that to see what happens. I mean, um, you know, Neiman will be interviewed and he'll be asked all about it uh, during that. He's, I mean, he, he's been turning down interviews last couple of days, but but it. it the matter will have to kind of come to a head there and it will have to, uh, there'll have to be some kind of explanation also from Carlson because Carlson has, uh, has intimated that he, he um, and made everyone believe that, mm. uh, that he's accusing uh, Neiman of cheating, but then he hasn't said anything for the last week or two. He's just gone completely silent on, on social media, which is unlike him. He's usually very active. And, and, and and so people are wanting an explanation from him. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yes, you're listening to Baker and Jacobs on TalkSport in partnership with EE, full fibre broadband that can handle anything. Limited availability, check coverage at ee.co.uk. And I don't know if you saw yesterday, Andy, that Roger Federer retired. Sorry, you were going to say something? I was, but it doesn't matter. I'll go, come back go, to it. No, 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 I'll okay. come back to it. You know, we'll you, carry on with this. We'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Roger Federer retired yesterday. I think one of the greatest of all time players, if not the greatest all time uh, male tennis player, I will say that for me, Serena, is the greatest of all time uh, tennis player. And joining us now to discuss this is Jonathan Overend, a tennis journalist. Hey, Jonathan. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Andy. How are you? Yeah, uh, very, good, very good, thank you. The greatest of all time in your mind, Jonathan? Well, I think it's a really interesting debate, isn't it? And you're, you're right to point out that Serena obviously has the most uh, the, the, the most slams among the era's men and women. But in the in the men's game, who'd have thought that Federer would actually finish third on the all-time statistical mm. list? Because you've got Nadal with 22, Djokovic with 21, and Federer's 120. So, you know, you'd never have thought that when Federer was mopping up in the mid-2000s. You know, yeah. he was untouchable in those years, kind of 2004 to 2009. And he was streaking clear of Sampras and... Uh, Nadal was really only just getting on the scene at that point and we barely heard of Djokovic. So to think that Federer should only be third on the list of all-time greats yeah. if you actually stack up the numbers. But this is where I think the debate needs a bit more nuance because if you've seen Federer live, and I don't know if you two gents have ever had that ever had that privilege, but he's just so magnificent to watch. It, it's impossible to be against him when you're there just a couple of yards away because he's... He's, I mean, I don't know if this is so, sort of like too, too, I don't know, just coming at it from with my Sunday Times culture supplement or anything <laughs> like that, but he's so aesthetically pleasing yeah. as a tennis player. Do you know what I'm getting? You, you just well, he watch glides, him. He doesn't he? It's, it's, it's difficult for me. It. It's, <laughs> a, it's the balletic movement. It's the poetic way he goes about constructing a point. And for me personally, I think that has to, that has to count for something when you're 
when you're assessing one versus another. You know, we're in this sort of data-driven, stat-heavy age in sport, and I completely understand that. But I think you've got to take other things into account. And that's why I think many, if, if not most tennis fans, would regard Federer as the greatest player, just simply because he was so great to watch. I'm so unqualified to talk about this because I don't like tennis. <laughs> and I can't think I've ever even watched what a, a game of him play. I used to like his blazers, though. He used oh, to we wear are. when he won the Wimbledon. That yes. was always good. But I suppose it's unusual to have, you know, three great players around at the same time. Mm. And then you can throw in Murray, I suppose, into the mix. Yeah, well, they, they pushed each other, Andy, didn't they? And I mean, Federer said that in his statement yesterday that you know, without without Nadal, Federer wouldn't have had to have taken his game to a new level. And then without Djokovic, Nadal probably wouldn't still be going at the age he is now. And uh, you're absolutely right. Murray has to be in that mix. Sure, he didn't win anywhere near as many slams as the other three, but he's been very much public in saying that they all made me a better player and I'd much rather have played in that era and become as good a player as I could possibly have been than, say, be number one and mopped up in an era when he didn't have any rivals. But I agree with you about the blazer. And remember, he came on centre court one mm. year with a like a cricket V-neck mm, yeah. jumper, mm. perfectly monogrammed uh, in the early days of the RF logo. Make no mistake, as well as being a top player, this was a guy who loved that sort of showmanship element as well. Mm. And, and a, a raging ego in a good way because he got, he got the commercial side of it. He got sport. He got the way... The whole game operated, and he knew that part of that was promoting himself and his own brand. Didn't he used to get a cow every time he won? Is that right? Am I going mad? <laughs> that, was, that was his first Wimbledon. When he won Wimbledon in 2003 for the first time, he went to Gestad in the Swiss mountains. And, uh, yep, that was his reward, a, a, a Swiss cow. Oh, maybe, um, maybe that's why he's retired. He's got a herd now. He, he can retire now. <laughs> well, he's got a herd of kids. Do you, do you think having... Um, Nadal and Djokovic around you, especially, especially for Nadal, Nadal, who's so dominant on the clay and is you know uh, unstoppable on the on the clay. Do you think that just drags him up to a different level as well? So he he never became complacent. Yeah, totally. Because before Nadal, uh, the main rivals for Federer on the tour were the Aussie Leighton Hewitt mm. and the American Andy Roddick, who were both top top players. But Federer had their number to be honest he beat he beat Roddick in several Wimbledon finals and he, he wiped the floor with Hewitt at the US Open one year I remember with two love sets 2004 I think that was but then this kid from Spain came along Nadal and yeah we've always known him as the king of clay but one of the things Nadal did very early was set out his intention to win Wimbledon to conquer those other surfaces mm. and I think wow what what ambition that was at yeah. a time when Federer was so dominant to actually say I, one day I want to win this title and they met in the Wimbledon final of 2006 I think that was Federer in four sets then again in the Wimbledon final of 2007 and that was Federer in five sets and we're following a little trend here yeah. 2008 was that classic final which ended in the dark at about half past nine at night and it was won by Nadal so that was the moment when Nadal got the better of Federer on the grass it was such a significant Significant moment, And I think you're absolutely right. It was that moment that maybe made Federer realise, OK, I've got a decade now mm. of a pretty serious rival, not just on the clay, but on all surfaces. And it took their games to, to new levels for sure. Now, uh, Great Britain are in action at the moment and uh, Andy Murray was playing last night in the Davis Cup and uh, it's made all the papers this morning. He's not delighted about how late it finished. Apparently all the, the crowd had gone. 
Yeah, they played uh, the USA in Glasgow. Um, the, the match didn't start till four o'clock. There were a couple of singles matches that went all the way. And then there was a doubles, which finished at one o'clock in the morning. I think that, in fairness, there was about half left. But tennis has this extraordinary ability to shoot itself in the foot sometimes, mm. you know, by scheduling a session that doesn't finish until the early hours. And we saw it at the US Open as well. I mean, how Alcaraz, the young Spaniard, won that title, having uh, finished at like three o'clock in the morning one day and yeah. 2.30 in the morning the next day. Uh, it's a peculiar sport Andy in the sense that every match is how long's a piece of string you know you yeah. cannot give a definitive answer into how long this tennis match is going to be so we could say yeah schedule it no later than seven o'clock for example but it might still be going at midnight so it so it is tricky but I, you've got it particularly for kids who are maybe getting their taste of of Andy Murray this weekend in Glasgow you can't be asking them to still be sitting around at one o'clock in the morning and missing the last the last bus home can you, got, you? so it's the, definitely something the sport yeah, needs but to it does seem you've got to blame that. Nadal I'd say you think bouncing <laughs> the ball before he <laughs> oh, serves about a thousand times <laughs> It, it does. It, it does seem a bit of a misstep because they do seem to have sorted out the Davis Cup format, don't they? Which, which was forever and and and, and winding for a while, and now they've seemed to have slimmed it down mm. a bit and all taking place at one time. So it does seem a slight misstep. Yeah, and of course Britain won it uh, a few years ago. Yeah. So kind of that was. That was a great day in Belgium, and Murray won his, his part. But yeah, I'm I'm a bit confused by where the Davis Cup is these days in terms of the thinking. Because the great thing about uh, international tennis is so many nations compete. It is a truly global sport. You know, like just like football, it's hard yeah. to think of another uh, another sport beyond football and tennis which are competed in practically every nation in the world. So what the Davis Cup does is it gives all those nations the chance to play internationally, sell some tickets, raise a bit of money for the federation, and hopefully develop the sport in that. That particular region um, but I can see why they've tried to sort of put more focus on the elite nations and the finals at the end of each year and certainly for Glasgow at the moment great opportunity to see some tennis because as we all know there aren't too many opportunities in Britain around the year to yeah. see tennis and see these stars up close so uh, you know I hope they sort out the scheduling and a great opportunity this weekend to see some tennis there at the uh, Emirates Arena. Just a quick one back, back to Roger Federer again um, Jonathan, um, do you think we'll be coaching? Will he be broadcasting? Will he go in, into the media? What do you think he'll end up doing? So here's the thing about Roger Federer, Charlie. He can do anything he turns his hand to, mm. <laughs> and particularly in the sport of tennis. I mean, I've seen him behind the scenes where he runs the show. You know, uh, he, he's the boss. Mm -hmm. he, he could do any job and A, understand it and B, be able to do it. He's just got a handle on the politics, on the commercial side. I mean, the deals he's done over the years have been astronomical. He, he gets the media side of it as well. I don't know what it, I, I I can't see him as a coach if I'm really honest, because that is such a grind when you have when you've done it already yeah, for so many yeah, years as a true. player on the tour. You've basically got to do it, you know, in someone else's pocket, yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing, and just not get paid as much. Um, so I can't see him doing that. But uh, will he run his own tournament in the future? I would say probably. Will he do some media work probably could he be a future boss of the the men's tour yeah probably could he be a future Wimbledon chairman you know all, all these sorts of roles there's, there's no doubt that Roger Federer could do them if he wanted to Jonathan you've been so good you've Thanks, even Sean. made you've even made Andy interested in tennis for this last 10 minutes <laughs> we'll get you to Wimbledon at some point <laughs> Andy one I've, day I've been it's a very nice day <laughs> out he's, he's the strawberries were lovely Jonathan thanks, thanks so much so. for joining us appreciate it Bye. Hey, Jonathan Overend. Yeah. I, I see Roger in uh, broadcasting. In fact, apparently he's taking over from you. Oh, it's Max Rushton and Roger Federer. Oh, well, good luck to him. He doesn't sweat, apparently, unlike me. Sweaty old Charlie Baker. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
There we are. Thanks very much. I'm back tomorrow morning with uh, Max Rushton, 9 till 11 for the game day warm-up. And you're back Tuesday, aren't you? I'm back Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday I'll see you or I'll speak to you down the line on the birthday spread. Lovely stuff. There we are. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.